1: Welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly Rx, My top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate, and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. More and more, we're learning about the intricacies of the brain and ways to improve our brain health. You know, the days of ignoring mental health issues long gone, folks. There are no stigma in mental health. Today, we're seeking solutions Uh, With almost a decade in the field of brain-based behavioral health under his belt, Ben Spielberg is more passionate about mental health now more than ever. A graduate of Columbia University, he went on to receive his master's degree in neuroscience and education. During graduate school, Ben developed a specialty in clinical neuromodulation and neuroimaging, where he used brain scans to predict off-label uses for TMS. We're going to talk about what TMS is, but yes, he used brain scans to predict off-label uses for TMS, neurofeedback, and ketamine. Let's uh, be very, very excited about this. I know I am. I have tons of questions here. Ben, welcome to Wellness Inc. How are you? Thank you. I'm I'm doing great. How are you, Dr. Mike? Excellent. When this came to my attention that we were going to get to chat, I was really excited for many reasons. I I love to educate. I love to kind of spread the word. Um, but for selfish reasons, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff myself. We all have, and I'm not just talking about the last year I'm talking about in life. I said, I was saying Mm -hmm. earlier, being adult is kind of hard. And, uh, you know, when you talk about PTSD or depression, anxiety, I mean, I'm a primary care guy and, Mm -hmm. uh, It's honestly been 80% of what I do every single day. It may not present itself that way initially. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Give us a little bit of insight on that.
0: Sure, sure, definitely. So, you know, we kind of think of depression as um, a neurotransmitter deficiency or a serotonin imbalance. That's probably something that you've heard many, many times in the past. Um, But, you know, the current neuroscience research doesn't really support that theory of depression. And it turns out that what's really happening is these specific parts of the brain are essentially underactive. So there's less overall blood flow, there's less cellular metabolism. These parts of the brain are basically dormant and depressed Patients. And so, what TMS does is it creates these tiny magnetic fields that are just strong enough to turn back on these parts of the brain. So, as people come in, because they're coming in five days a week for about six weeks, um, the symptoms of depression start to go away as these parts of the brain start to come back online. So it really increases neuroplasticity in these parts of the brain that are associated with depression.
1: So, and I know a lot of listeners are out there, they're probably saying, hey, this sounds like ECT, which Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about the difference between ECT and and TMS. Listen Mm -hmm. listen to me with all my letters I'm throwing out there. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, listen, I'm a primary care guy and I have always had a Mm -hmm. philosophy with With non-traditional ways of you treat the body, and I don't discount anything that people do. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you're an MD; you don't, you know, agree with chiropractors." I'm like, "Where is that written? That's ridiculous." Mm -hmm. You know, I I've always felt that if you're doing something, whether it's taking a vitamin or doing some other type of a therapy or or mechanical therapy, whatever it may be, sort of the non-traditional sense of things, as long as it's not hurting you, and if you're it's helping you and it's not you know putting you out of house and home because of cost why mm-hmm. not do it you know so we talk about non-traditional ways and traditional ways when i would say to you if i was to say hey ben what, talk to me about what non-traditional ways of changing the brain means what what do you what does that mean
0: so i think you know the traditional ways of of changing the brain are essentially antidepressant medications right and these are medications that we've used for 40 years or so and have essentially okay efficacy, maybe 40% response rate. But, um, and for some people, they work great. You know, some people can get away with a very low dose of antidepressants, and that's great. Unfortunately, that's not the case for multiple people. The majority of people have side effects from these medications. Um, some of the side effects don't go away after discontinuing. They're very, very hard medications to get off of. And I think when you really look at the so-called traditional ways of treating depression, it's important to take a step back and think, is this really the right way that we're going about doing things? And I know in Japan recently, they basically changed their whole protocol. And so now when people have depression, TMS is actually a first line approach, which makes sense, right? Why would you use a chronic treatment when an acute course of something can get the job done? And so only if TMS doesn't work for whatever reason, then they'll try medications. Um, So I think there's really a a paradigm shift in the way that we're treating mental health nowadays.
1: And I think it's I mean, it's critical. Let's Mm -hmm. face it. I've been practicing. You know, I was in med school in the 90s. I've been practicing for well over 20 years. And, you know, this has become year by year, a bigger and bigger thing out there. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think for for so many of us for so long, we just kind of swept it under the rug. And this is the cause of a lot of, a lot of problems. And we need to give more attention to that. And I I think alternative ways of doing so, you know, you you'll often hear the phrase rewiring the brain. Does that resonate with you? I mean, when someone says to you rewire the brain, how would you kind of respond or what would you say that means to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think in many ways what we're doing at the clinic is rewiring the brain every single day. Right. Because essentially, you know, with so many mental health conditions, not just depression, but also anxiety and PTSD, people are sort of stuck. And you can see this physiologically. Their brains are really stuck in these certain modes, Um And the only way to to get them out of these states is to figure out a way to rewire the brain, whether it be with TMS or or neurofeedback or some other modality, even even talk therapy in a way rewires the brain.
1: I mean, listen, I'm a big fan of of therapy. I have been uh, I've been seeing the same therapist uh, religiously almost weekly for honestly almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I always joke with her because I always say, you know, I never, you never know when the wheels are going to come off in your life. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could be driving down the road and everything's great. You're listening to your favorite song and then you get a blowout in your tire and all hell breaks loose. Life is just like that. And right. you can be going along through life and everything's great, works great, personal life's great. You get a phone call that your family member died. And this, mm-hmm. I'm sharing things that have actually happened with me. I mean, Life is a series of unexpected events, and the mm-hmm. impact that it has on us. I think for so long we're just sort of just well just deal with it. And no, that that's not that's not okay. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's important when you know when you think about it. What are some of the things that you know you're on the cutting edge? I would say with the stuff that you're doing, you're you're doing stuff that I know traditionally when I was in ed training we didn't have this stuff around 25 years ago. Right. What do you think you're learning or what do you think are some of the learnings you've had that maybe a lot of us old guys like myself have missed about depression and anxiety and, and other things like that?
0: I think the, the biggest thing is that you know, the traditional methods really just aren't that effective. And I think for people who were schooled a long time ago, you know, psychiatr there are some psychiatrists who are in their 80s who are still practicing. And I've noticed that it it's sort of a hard concept to digest that there's just a much better way of doing things that was not around whatsoever when they were in school or residency.
1: often are they still doing ect i assume they're still doing this and and how often is it is it a common practice i don't think it is but what you know
0: it's not that common yeah so ect electroconvulsive therapy i mean it is it's really a last resort for a lot of people but it's really quite powerful as a treatment because the goal is really to induce a seizure in the brain right that, that's what ect is at the end of the day so, and that's not necessarily a healthy state right. for the brain to be in, right? Um, whereas, you know, TMS you're kind of increasing neuroplasticity, so it's sort of a, a brain health positive treatment. Whereas ECT is, is somewhat a brain health negative treatment, where you you induce a seizure. There's often side effects like memory loss, um, so it's really not that commonly used, but but still used for the very very severe cases of depression.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think there's still uh, and this is true with any disease entity really, right? There are still the old school way of doing things that still work and for maybe a smaller population, but hey, you know, we're all people, we all have our needs, we all have our different sort of focus as to why we are dealing with the problem that we're dealing with. Um and I you know, I, I think the whole idea and I've been on medications before, the you know, disclosure on everything, right? I I have <laughs> back in there I can tell you there was a time in, when I was a resident just went through some traumatic stuff. And uh I wanted in my last year residency, my third year, six months. I'm I'm done with after all the school, I was like ready to walk out. And my yeah. my residency uh coordinator at the time said, well, You you well, hold on a second. You know, you you've done all this stuff. So I I went down the pathway of of counseling is so critical and just having that mm-hmm. someone to just, you know, spill onto and and get that that feedback. But I did take medicines for about six months and uh, they worked and they, I think they serve their purpose, which is what the idea is, but side effects, right? Side effects. Right. And you mentioned this earlier, this is a chemical. This is a chemical that was created in a lab, not knocking that because of certainly there's a lot of use for a lot of medications these days. We use them every day, but if you can get around that and find other ways of achieving what you're trying to achieve. I mean, talk about some of the traditional antidepressants and and side effects and you know, what are the big functionality issues you see? I mean, sexual dysfunction is probably the the big big thing, you know, insomnia, uh, fatigue. I mean, tell me a little bit about that.
0: Those are definitely the major issues Um, insomnia, fatigue, um, dissociation, Uh, A lot of people have gastrointestinal side effects, either pain or or general discomfort. Um, Sexual dysfunction is very, very common. We get a lot of phone calls of people who have tried different um, SSRIs and, and have had that as a side effect anxiety sometimes it can it can help the depression but worsen anxiety also vice versa can help the anxiety worsen depression sometimes people only get negative side effects sometimes it'll just make them completely suicidal right so it it's really you know Antidepressants at the end of the day, they're very much sort of a, a broad treatment, right? They're telling the brain, okay, let's let's increase some neurotransmitters here, which, you know, has all these sort of downstream effects at, at different parts of the, of the brain. Whereas, you know, other treatments like TMS, it's sort of very focused, right? We know what we're doing. We know what we're targeting. We're going to increase activity here. And there's not going to be that same side effect profile.
1: So let's get into the TMS a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, look, the, there's good and bad for everything. And, you know, not I, I don't think anybody can say that a, a certain treatment modality, I'm not just speaking about this in particular, but anything is only good and no bad. There's no such right. thing as that I mean, we can argue everything has some element of good and bad. So let's talk a little bit about TMS. Let's kind of give a description. Let's say I'm coming to you and I want to know more about it because I'm considering going through this. So, how are you going to kind mm-hmm. of walk me through this?
0: So, first we'll we'll tell people sort of what it is, and oftentimes people have a lot of questions. Um, one of the main questions they'll have is what sort of side effects there may be, right? Because it's kind of it's sort of a, most people have never really heard of TMS before. It's sort of a foreign concept to them, and the idea of magnetic stimulation treating the brain sounds almost like frou-frou science or or a scam, Uh, but it's not, it's FDA approved. Um, So, you know, we, we kind of get people comfortable with the idea, make sure they understand what's really going on here. And then we we schedule them for an evaluation with someone from our psychiatric team because everyone's come in for different issues. Some people, it's just sort of um, a very melancholic depression. Oftentimes it's a mix of a number of diagnoses, including depression, anxiety, insomnia, PTSD. And so the idea is we really want to personalize the treatment as much as we can, which may involve targeting different areas of the brain or using different frequencies to stimulate. Um, and then after that initial evaluation, if our psychiatric team deems them a good candidate, they would then start treatment.
1: So I love the word team. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's so important in the management of a complex situation, much like this, uh, you know, we're not talking, you know, I came in I have like an eye infection or a sore throat and you give me antibiotics and, you know, do this and do that. And you'll be fine. When you talk about such an impactful thing in, in, in our world, you know, talking about depression, anxiety, and I mean, it's tens of millions of people, many of which go undiagnosed, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. It has to be a team approach. It has to be more than like one guy. It's, it's really a comprehensive, I guess that's a better word, like Mm -hmm. managing pain, right? People with chronic pain. It's not just here's your pills. It's understanding the source of the pain from a from a psychological standpoint, from a chemical right. standpoint. So mm-hmm. I love the team approach. And so I'm, I'm imagining that in, in your practice, you have groups of individuals, and you all kind of coalesce and say, here's the situation. And here's what we think he needs from our end. And, and so on. Is mm-hmm. that how it kind of works?
0: Definitely. Yeah, it, it depends what program people want to sort of enroll themselves. In. We we have Sort of the most comprehensive program that we offer is a combination of TMS and biofeedback and individual therapy um, and group therapy. And so, people in that program, there, there's really quite a large team uh, of staff members who all treat those patients in different ways. Um, and then if someone is just sort of opting to do TMS a la carte for whatever reason, um, then they, they're still sort of managed by our psychiatrists. The technicians are all in touch and we have regular treatment meetings to make sure that we're we're achieving
1: our goals. So let me ask you this. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's there are a lot of listeners out there that are hearing this and they're saying, you know, this is me and I struggle with this. Yet they keep it to themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about actually a very close friend and patient of mine who I just had this discussion with yesterday. And, you know, when you get someone and and it's a little tricky because he's a friend of mine. But, you know, when someone just spills out that this has been going on for two or three or four years, not Mm -hmm. days or months, but years, you know, to people that are out there uh, and with your education, your background and all of the stuff, the studies that you've done. How do you get people to just be more comfortable with saying, "God, I need some help. I, I need something."
0: You know, some people are not going to get there, right? Um, some people may get there with a lot of therapy. Um, it really depends so much on their upbringing. But if they've really, if they've really sort of um, been in in a in a family environment where um, you know you don't talk about your feelings at all, they're right. very frowned upon. You may just not get there with that patient. And that's why we try to look at things with a few different lenses. So, you know, every day when people come in, we ask, How are you feeling? How'd you sleep? How's your anxiety? How's your mood? etc. We also give people more objective questionnaires every week. So we'll give them the PHQ nine, the Beck Depression right. inventory. These are all depression and anxiety scales. And you know, it's it's interesting seeing that disparity sometimes because occasionally we'll get people who will say, I'm fine. I'm fine every single day. But you know, if you look at their skills, it's in the severe depression range. Right. Right, And so, um, so I I think it's really just a matter of using all of the data that you can instead of just kind of a singular data point.
1: Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point, which is your, your environment, your upbringing, you know, I, my father's from Mexico and Mm -hmm. traditionally, uh, you know, that that machismo sort of element right there's a big cultural component to that and uh uh, you know i can remember as a kid and i was a kid i was like eight or ten or whatever you know i'm still a kid i think at 52 but um i remember seeing my dad and just looking at him and just thinking man he looks bummed out you know and he would sit there with his his forehead in his hand worrying you know it wasn't until i became older and understood things but that's a big cultural thing, right? We just deal with it, suck mm-hmm. it up, whatever the term is. And I, I got if there's right. anything we get out of this is, is letting people know that, you know, my patients say this to me all the time when I and I'm very honest with my patients. I've talked to them. I, I Listen, true transparency, like I said, I, I'm a human just like the rest of us. I always say mm-hmm. I'm just a doctor. I know stuff that you don't, but you know stuff that I don't. But I've been to therapy and I go to therapy every once a week. And I just think that getting past that idea that when people say you do, like they look at me like it, like I'm bad or it's weak or whatever. Right. Yeah, I do. And, and if I didn't, I don't know that I'd be sitting in this room talking to you right now. So mm-hmm. I think you bring up an important point. Uh, and I think it's important for people to recognize that you never stop trying to get there. Always trying to get to that point where reaching our help is so important. Let, mm-hmm. Let's go back to the whole TMS thing a little bit. Okay. We said TMS, like any modality, has positives and negatives. What are maybe some of the negative things people may have to think about when you're kind of bringing in, in this type of a treatment?
0: In terms of side effects, there may, be, uh, there may be headaches in the first week or two. Um, not many, but they're usually pretty mild. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that with some complex patients, as we try to personalize the protocols. Um, there may be a day or two here and there where anxiety is elevated or sleep is somewhat disturbed. Um, and that's really important information to come back to us with, because then we know how to sort of adjust the protocols from there. So, you know, with some people, it's not going to be a smooth ride, so to speak, but, uh, they'll get there eventually most of the time.
1: No, And it's true with medications too. I mean, I've been prescribing a lot of these medications for years and I tell people, they're like, is it best to take this in the morning or the afternoon? I'm like, uh, take it in the morning, but if it makes you tired, switch it to nighttime. You know, it's one of those things. Everybody's different and we're all different inside now. And I think that that brings us to your point, you know, I think just keeping the faith, you know, knowing that you got to keep trying, never giving up and trying to get to that place because so many people suffer with these kinds of things. And I I think we they're around us and we don't even know it. You know, we really Mm -hmm. don't even know it. And I think it's frustrating you as a provider and myself and so many people you think, ah, you know, we know it all. We have you know, we know this person so well. And then you're like, whoa, I've been around this person for all these years and never knew this was going on in in their in their head let's switch gears a little bit let's talk about ketamine um first of all let's for our listeners let's talk about what ketamine is how long has it been around what are the traditional uses of it and and is it used today
0: yeah so ketamine is uh it's an fda approved anesthetic it's been fda approved for 51 years now um So so commonly in high doses, it's it's used as an anesthetic. And then in the 90s, it sort of became this popular uh, drug of abuse in the rape scene. And then in the year 2000, a study at at Yale University revealed that these very, very small sub-anesthetic doses of ketamine were really effective as a rapid antidepressant. So most antidepressant medications, they take six-ish weeks to to start working, right? Um, But this study showed that ketamine worked within a day or two. Wow. Um, so it, it was really sort of groundbreaking in that way. And then more and more clinical trials came to light um, using these ketamine infusions for uh, for depression, for anxiety. One was just published the other day for, for PTSD. Um, and they've all really revealed that these small sub-anesthetic doses of ketamine can be a really powerful antidepressant with about an 80-ish percent success rate.
1: So are they, in a sense, pulse dosing ketamine? Is that what it is? Kind of a pulse dose. That's a term that we use where they're just giving small amounts continuously, or is it an infusion or how does this work? Yeah,
0: so there's a a few different ways to do it. So there are infusions, which are administered in a clinic, Um, and the infusions are sort of beneficial because you really really know exactly how much ketamine is going into the body uh, and also the rate that it's going in. Um, there's also uh, a ketamine nasal spray. There's sort of one version that's FDA approved. And then there's also a compounded nasal spray that's pretty common. And there are also um, oral formulations of ketamine that compound pharmacies can make as well.
1: And I imagine there's variations for everything, everyone, and it's gotta be personalized. And you really, mm-hmm. your your approach, as we talked about earlier, is more of a sort of a comprehensive of a team individualized approach, I guess is the best way to say it. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about a new venture that you have, uh, Mm -hmm. Bespoke Treatment. Talk to our listeners a little bit about what Bespoke Treatment is.
0: Sure. So Bespoke Treatment is an online ketamine-based therapy program. So basically, it's a combination of individual therapy, of group therapy, mindfulness meditation, and ketamine and it's all done at home through telemedicine. Um, So that's what's kind of unique about this program is, you know, we're really improving access to care for individuals who can't come to the office either right now because of COVID or because they live too far from a ketamine clinic or because they want um, sort of an entire wraparound program, a, a whole therapeutic program for them.
1: I would imagine. I mean, you bring up the word COVID, which I've tried to stop saying because it's like, I, I mean, it's forever in, in our heads. Yeah. Um, no pun intended. But um, what I mean, the rates of depression, uh, anxiety, you know, PTSD have to be not only, I think, the rates sky high, but just a different kind of feel. What are you seeing?
0: Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, a lot of people are really suffering right now. They're they're right. they're really struggling with mental health. I saw a study last night from the CDC. Um 10% of individuals who answered this survey reported um suicidal ideation in the past 12 months. Wow. 10% of the population. Wow. So, it's it's really um it's really quite um quite intrusive in our lives, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. No. And I think, you know, telemedicine and if you look back and and think as little as a year ago, right, less, Mm -hmm. less than a year ago. And you look at how much telemedicine was being used Mm -hmm. versus now, you would never have imagined such an increase, which is great because. We're able to bring care to people exactly. and not have them come. And for some of us, we're afraid to leave the house and mm-hmm. and not just COVID. I mean, in general, the, the fears that you have in your depression, anxiety, may be so deep. Yeah. That even leaving the house is hard. So when you can bring something like this to underserved communities, to these people who really need that care brought to them, it's got to be a, a a really rewarding thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's
0: definitely a game changer for a lot of people. I I remember, you know, before COVID happened, we used telemedicine actually for our initial psychiatric evaluations once in a while. And there there was some pushback from people um, because it, it just wasn't sort of familiar for them. But now it's really become the norm, which is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, so we went through this a very similar transition with with mm-hmm. our treatment, and it was. It, it's exactly what we experienced. Initially, people were like, "Well, you know, I, I'd rather come in. I'd rather do this." But then, when they realized how some very basic, simple things that could be handled through an email or a phone right. call or a simple sort of screening process, right? That the, you know, we always think of the old days of going into the doctor's office and going through the whole process and whatever don't get me wrong, there's still a role for that and there always mm-hmm. will be, but we are looking at ways to treat the masses. We're looking at right. ways to reach people who can't get that care. Um, and so I think it's important that we look at all of all of this stuff. When you look at the the prevalence and, and sort of this uh, evolution of COVID over the months, it must have really created a lot of thought process in you and your colleagues that said, hey, we have a Tremendous opportunity here.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I I think that it it really opened the doors to starting bespoke treatment. And I really saw just how many people really yearned for sort of a a non traditional mental health treatment that they could do at home. Because at the clinic, we would get phone calls all day of people who really wanted to come in, but either lived too far away or were just so terrified of leaving their house because of fear of COVID, right? This was our solution.
1: So let me ask you a question. I talked about some of my personal experiences and and some of the things I went through. And I'm happy too, because I think it's made me where I, who I am. And it's allowed me to kind of um, give my experience to people. I mean, you have, you yourself, have you been through, we've all been through tough times. I mean, has there been some times in your life where you've sort of been like, God, this is not what I signed up for, or, you know, how has that been for you? Oh, big
0: time. Yeah. So, um, you know, my whole life I've had pretty severe ADHD. Um, I was uh, a C student through all of school. Um, and then in, at Columbia, I got a, a 4.0 GPA in graduate school. So I think that kind of <laughs> like the, the perfect example of ADHD where, you know, you really sort of slack off, not slack off, but, you know, you've, you can't focus and then you sort of find something to hyper-focus on it and really excel.
1: Um, and I think you probably, it's something you just loved, right? I think you yeah. tend to work harder and th- that hours just go by when you're so engaged in something that you really, that really just strikes you. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. And part of it too, when I was younger was I, I hadn't figured out what the strategies were so that I could succeed in a setting like a school. Um, You know, I didn't, we didn't have laptops that we brought into the school at the time. And that's something that helped me a lot later on. Um, So part of it was sort of developing those coping mechanisms, but I've also struggled with severe anxiety, severe depression when I was younger. Um, I tried a few medications, they never worked. i I was on Prozac, a pretty high dosage, and I gained sixty pounds. Um, wow. All all of the doctors told me there's no way you gain weight from Prozac; it's impossible. The second I stopped taking Prozac, I lost
1: all of the weight. Uh, um, no, so, we see you know, in a lot of people, like like yeah. you were saying, w- w- you can't always predict it. But some, I mean, there are a good, you know, percentage of people who have that, and you can really never. I listen to my patients and whatever they tell me it may be the one patient in 20 years that said, "Hey, I did this and I felt this." Now it could be a coincidence, but yeah. uh, you got to listen to patients. You got to listen to people. You have to really give them their their sort of their time because who am I to say that didn't happen or that did happen? And then I think when you have even more higher percentages of things, listen, yeah, I guess there's coincidence, but I don't know. It, things happen. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. I, I mean, Ben, you're a young guy and you, you've just you're tapping into this, you know, this new thing when we talk about TMS and, and all these new way of handling things. Where do you see things going? You know, never mind COVID, never mind, you know, you have you talked about the bespoke. And where do you see us going as a society in our mental health? I see I see a
0: shift coming and I do see that mental health will be be something that is able to be talked about more. Right. You see it in sports where, you know, NBA players are now talking about mental health for the first time. Um, I think that with um, the developments in telemedicine. There will be more um, psychiatrists and, and mid levels available to treat patients. Um, so, so I do see a shift coming, but it really is so important. And when you look at all of these different diagnoses, you really see how um, the impact of mental health affects outcomes. Right, where in from cardiology patients to chronic pain patients, um, rheumatology patients, there there's. It's so common to have these comorbid mental health components. And and I think that in 10 years, um, these will really start to be seriously addressed.
1: I, I mean, thank God, because it's a long time coming. We got a lot of work to do. But uh, your work that you're doing is appreciated and uh, it's fascinating, really. I mean, I think it's interesting um, and I, I hope my listeners give this a look and and take a look at options. It, it's all about options. You know, there's no one thing that's good for, you know, everybody. Right. Uh, so I think it's about looking at your options. And then, you know, the whole idea in medical school, we learn this when you take the oath is to do no harm. And mm-hmm. uh If something works for somebody and it does no harm, then uh, I I think you got to support those individuals. So, um, Ben, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. This is fascinating. New stuff. I love this. What I love about doing these things. I I learned so much. Uh, Medicine is amazing. Human body is amazing. And uh, it's it's just fascinating. Really appreciate the work that you're doing. Where can we find you? How, How can my listeners find you?
0: Yeah, so they can find so uh the clinic website is tmsbrainhealth.com and bespoke treatment is bespoketreat.com.
1: Ben, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time.
0: Of course. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Weekly RX. Well, guys, that's it. Uh great stuff. I love I mean there's so many new things out there and uh let's get to it let's get to uh the weekly rx for today a lot of great things but a couple things really stood out in my mind when we talked about these things with ben um one is i think mental health deserves its day and we need to reach out to people we need to always be trying to get past whatever it's our cultural beliefs or our surroundings or our whatever it is that has gotten us to say, I don't need help. I think we can all use a little help and, uh, never stop reaching out and and never ignore your problems. Um, tell somebody And, and I think the other point is really a comprehensive approach to managing things is, is the key, you know, when we manage pain or we manage mental illness, or we manage everything, the body, the mind, the brain is a very complicated existence and a comprehensive approach to managing a problem is always the best approach. So, uh, we're going to leave you with that. And, uh, I feel like I'm getting all serious, but, um. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, everybody. That's it for today. Don't forget to subscribe for free. Download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Follow me on social media at The 17 Day Diet. Take care. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. This podcast does not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.